Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. Wolf, what's up? How you doing, Luke? Doing great. I am jacked up right now. I really am. I don't know why. I think it's Wednesday. That's why. Hump day right now. Getting ready for the biggest day of the week in terms of preparation for your upcoming opponent on the weekend. If you happen to be in the National Football League, get ready. The blood sport looms. Not only that, we had we had a great game last night, did we not, with the Phoenix Suns? Ooh, they're starting to look like the Phoenix Suns, my brother. Well, I was going to say, part of the reason that you feel so jacked up might be conference championship games this weekend. <laughs> Probably going to start to get some clarity on this coaching search, I would think. Any minute, certainly at some point this week, right? Yeah, I, mean, I do. I, I expect it. This is this is it. You know my prediction, and that you know I'm going to say it's a prediction. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, because I have a, I have a. It's Friday. I have a question for you. Okay, okay yeah. Play this game for me. Right. Okay? You have two options. Okay, two. Which will happen first? Two is the number of duplicity. Well, there you, you know go. That, okay. Ying and Yang. Okay, go. Obviously, that was implied in my question. The Cardinals will hire a head coach. Yes. Or I will get into my email. Do you see this screen over here? It's yes. just an envelope that's been wow, perpetually you, opening. You got nuked. Yeah, so I will not be. Oh my I'm assuming as long as the Cardinals hire a coach before next season, that I'll will happen. You. Okay, because I'm working over here. Every, yeah. Everything I'm doing is oh, good for it's, you. It's Everything's beautiful. just set up for I'm you. I'm working right here, so I'll tell you, Luke. Okay. I'll let you know if All the right. Cardinals hire. Thank you. You're, you've got No, the, but that, that's the question. Right. What happens first? My email opens or the Cardinals hire a coach? I'm going to say the Cardinals hire a coach. Okay, yeah. The Cardinals hire a coach by Friday. Do you think your email will be ready to no, open no, not at this rate. No. You need to be authenticated, though, honestly. <laughs> you do. Happened three we times need to today. Authenticate I'm, in. Luke I'm me. More here in the building. Uh, all right, let's start with the Suns, okay? <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the Phoenix Suns. That, that was poetic, okay. Who have won uh, four straight now. We said this yesterday going into the game. That is a game you should win, right, Charlotte? I mean, everybody's beat up, so you can't. It almost feels like. Pointless to bring up who didn't play for each team until the Suns have their players back too. Sure, but the Suns with thirty, so three fifths of sixty percent of their starting lineup look like a pretty good basketball team. Yes, and let me remind you, not Suns fans. Obviously, you guys know this. Maybe we'll be driving through town right now. The Suns don't have Devin Booker. Okay, yes. You had to remind me. Is that what you were saying? Well, you weren't reminding the fans. You, so who were you reminding? Some <laughs> random Pistons fan that's driving Listen, down the 60 right this now. This right now, basically, this game was about the Suns, man. It was about the Suns, not their opponent. This game was about being a professional basketball player. This game was about doing your job. Isn't that right, Bill Belichick? And the Hornets were down 22 in the first quarter. That that tells me the Phoenix Suns are ready to play this game. Now, why they were ready to play this game, I, I don't know. Why? I, I, I'm just saying. They, they, you've got 60% of your starters out of the floor. 
All I know is we, we've seen the Suns win three games in a row coming into last night, and all of a sudden, here, look, everyone, it's the Charlotte Hornets, and they've only won 13 games, and they're a mess as well. But didn't the Suns sound especially dialed in before that game yesterday? Yes. Like Mikel Bridges, yeah. the, the, the focus was so much. It wasn't on, like, who are we playing tonight? It was on, we haven't, it, honestly, it makes sense. We haven't been winning in a while, and now we are. And what did Mikel say? Winning's contagious. Yes. So you're not... In in a scenario like that, I don't think going to go out there and be like, well, we've won three in a row, but we're still way below where we expected to be. We're just going to take it off tonight, and we're just going to see what happens. I think that they have the necessary focus right now as a as I guess a good byproduct of what happens. Luke, I thought it was really professional. I thought it was so professional to see the Suns go out and they blew them out in the first quarter, twenty two. You know how hard that is to do in the NBA. I don't care who's playing. I don't care who's out there on the floor. You, you have a 22-point lead in the first quarter. <laughs> that is a hard thing to do. As long as the other team has five players out there, it's tough to get up by 22. And then all of a sudden, the mother of all runs happened for the Hornets in that second quarter. A 23-2 run in that second quarter. And they're only down 11 at the half. Yeah. That was that wasn't as fun. And what I loved is once again, the Suns came out, they lowered the plow, and they hit the gas in the second half, didn't they? They won the game. Their professionalism came roaring back. I love that. This game is one of my favorites. I I, I realize a lot of people will say they beat the 13-win Charlotte Hornets. For me, I love seeing a pro do his job. I I love it. I knew, because I remember some just like kind of lame win over the Pistons last year was your favorite win of the season. I knew that game last night was going to be a game that you liked. There was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are really, really bad. I mean, just really last bad. Last week? No, I'm oh. saying they've been bad throughout a lot of their existence, but back when we were playing them, I was with the, with the St. Louis Cardinals, of course, and we were playing the Buccaneers. They were really, really bad at that point. Isn't that right, John McKay? Orange uniforms? <laughs> Isn't that right, John McKay? Okay, who was in the favor of their execution. Remember that? That famous line right there. <laughs> yeah, now I do. Now that you, now that you steer McKay me to the reference. John literally said that in a post-game press conference when asked a question about their execution. And he said, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> Boy, can you imagine if he said something say, like that? I was going to say, not sure can you could start a press conference like that now. Can you imagine? Oh, my I could. Goodness. Twitter would shut down. That's what yes. I could imagine. You know, but I remember um, going to play them, and they were really, really bad. And you had to go out there and just do your job. Play with the same desperation. And I had so much regard and respect for my teammates that went out there that were hyper-talented dudes. Isn't that right, Roy Green? Hyper-talented individuals, O.J. Anderson. And they went out there and they played some of their best games just to bury them because that's what your opponent deserves, bury them. The the Suns have looked like, I don't know, five different teams this season. It's been a very different season, certainly than last year, than the year before. I don't really remember a season like this where the Suns... One week looked like, yeah, they're title contenders. Yeah. And another week looked like, yes, they're injured, but something's missing as well. Chris Paul said navigating through the season is a little bit different than last year for sure. We still got a ways to go, but we understand, you know, we was in a situation last season where we didn't really have to look at the standings and nothing like that, but we got we to gotta win games. You know, we got to put wins together. 
Uh, we still got guys coming back. So keep playing the right way. Keep trying to uh, pile up wins. I think he hit it right there, Wolf. Mm. And I, I'm always fascinated when Chris Paul talks because you can hear the guys just basketball wisdom coming through almost every time he speaks. If we're not going to overreact when they've lost 17 of 22, I'm not going to overreact when they've won four in a row right. and one of those wins was no. over Charlotte. But I will just keep referencing back to what you and I were talking about last week. Going into the Brooklyn game, Cam Johnson's coming back. This has the potential to be a turning point. We don't, we're not going to know that for a couple months, really, if that was a turning point. But now, even, even the next day after that game, all the Suns won. And Cam looked good. And Matt Ishbia was there. It has all the makings of a game you look back to in April and be like, you know what? Things got a lot better. When did they start to get better? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Brooklyn game. Yes. Which is ironic because going into the season, that was the game everybody pointed to of like, oh, that could be a big game for a, a trade or whatever. And everything has changed. The entire basketball world has changed so much, and yet that game still might be the turning point for the season. What I love, Cam Johnson was Quasimodo. He was the Quasi. That's what we used to call the dude who was going to set the tone. Cam Johnson was Quasimodo. He came out and he sounded the toll. He rang that bell. Isn't that the guy that rang the bell? Yes. Yes. I, I read Quasi. things. I, mean, I haven't read that book, but I knew he rang a bell from the cartoon. Doing, please? Uh, Nickelback is heading out on the Get Rolling Tour, coming to the Footprint Center on July 12th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. We come back. The Cardinals coaching search continues. So if Dan Quinn ends up being the guy, what kind of staff would he potentially bring to Arizona? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports Cardinals head coaching search update 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 Well the uh plot tickets closer to somebody hiring a coach, right? Carolina, Indianapolis, Houston, Denver, anybody else want to do anything? We waiting for the Cardinals. Felt like at the start we were all going to be waiting for Denver. Then it was like, okay, well, we're all waiting for Sean Payton. And that might still be the case, but then if that's the case, aren't we all waiting for the Cardinals? Because he seems to want to talk to the Cardinals before he makes his decision. That's supposed to happen tomorrow. Then you have this thought, too, the more we talk about Dan Quinn and the more we hear about Dan Quinn and just his reputation around the league, what if Dan Quinn were the first domino to fall? Like, this is my thought driving over here, Wolf, aside from the fact that, wow, we have a lot of traffic that we didn't have two weeks ago. Yeah. What if the Broncos hired Dan Quinn? I would, I would be hurt. Okay, you would be hurt. Why, why would you be hurt? I think subconsciously I've decided the Cardinals are going to have their next head coach be Dan Quinn, Brian Flores, and Sean Payton. I think that's why. So <laughs> the whole world into yes. one right there. So when any of them get hired, I'm going to be like, hey, that was our guy. Okay, that'd be great. Uh, we could have Dan Quinn as a head coach, uh, Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator, and uh, Sean Payton as the offensive coordinator. Hey, Sean, okay? would you be interested in taking the OC salary that we're offering? Um, yeah. Wow, this is going to be really interesting. Uh, what is happening here? Dan Quinn definitely has reared his head, has he not? <laughs> it just seems like it was like, yeah, Dan Quinn's out there as well. And I'm not just talking about Dan Quinn with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm talking about Dan Quinn. Quinn and his profile overall with some of these other teams and the jobs that are out there right now. I'm still blown away by the fact it hasn't happened. There has not been a head coach hiring as of yet. No. This is this is truly different. This is stunning. We're almost, I mean, the conference championships are a couple days away. You're t- two weeks, over two weeks later, no coaching vacancy has been filled at all. 
That, that to me, blows me away. Denver knew they were going to need a coach since about week three. Uh, what, the Colts fired their coach and went to Jeff Saturday. I don't know, there was like six weeks left in the season. Like Some of these teams knew they were going to need a coach, and yet here we are, and we're almost three weeks into the playoffs, and nobody has been hired. So now, a couple things with Dan Quinn. One of the things that, that really stood out yesterday was that Larry Fitzgerald clip from October. Uh, Kevin Ray, when we had him on, obviously K. Ray works with the Cowboys when he's not... Uh, you know, calling the Suns games. Traitor. Todd, Todd Archer on with Bickley and Marotti yesterday. Just Love you, Jay. Ringing endorsements. He can't hear you. It's Barbados <laughs> right now. That's right. The, uh, the ringing endorsements oh. that, uh, that Dan Quinn gets around the league. So I'm going to start with Fitz. I know we played this yesterday, but it's Fitz. We can play it every 10 seconds. But it, uh, this is, again, this is from October uh, uh, on the Let's Go podcast. You know, the same one where um, Tom Brady yelled at Jim Gray yesterday and we were all very uncomfortable. Here's Fitz on Dan Quinn. He'd be number one, in my opinion. Uh, there's no question about that. You know, what he's done, obviously his experience, and he, he did really good in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, had he, you know, run the football a little bit more, he'd have a Super Bowl championship. So I, I don't think it's be much longer until Dan Quinn will be back on the sidelines as a head coach of the National Football League. But I think for him, most importantly, is finding the right situation. You know, you, you don't want to go to a team where you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance to win. You want to be in a place where, you know, you, you have a legitimate shot. And those type of jobs are very difficult to come by because they don't turn over often. Time to ring that Kyler Murray bell. Ding! There you go. Totally agree with you, Fitzy. You know, Dan Quinn, let's just let's just go ahead and wonder about Dan Quinn for a minute here. One of the other reasons why you may wish to hire Dan Quinn is because of the staff that I think he could put together. Think of the staff he could put together. How about the staff he had for the 2016 Falcons season? Okay, because remember, they went to the Super Bowl. Yes, they lost in the fourth quarter. We all remember it. Okay. What, what do you mean by that, I asked rhetorically. This is... This was his. Uh, this was the coaching staff. Dan Quinn, the head coach, uh, assistant head coach Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris, hmm, pretty good player. Uh, offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you say, son of Mike Shanahan. Quarterback, what well, potentially a Super Bowl winning head coach here in like a week and a half so, or two and a half weeks. The son of Mike Shanahan. That's true. Son of Mike. Yes. Uh, quarterbacks coach Matt Lafleur. Oh, Matt, he's pretty good. He's another head coach around the league. Yes. McVay. Uh, and then the offensive assistants Mike Lafleur. Uh, Mike McDaniel, ever heard of him? Let's <laughs> see, the head coach down in Miami? Yeah, how many head coaches were on the staff? What is staff? going on? One, two, Are, three. L- listen to that for a minute. Just read the names quickly. Okay, so again, Dan Quinn was the head coach of this team. Assistant head coach, Raheem Morris. Offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. Quarterbacks coach, Matt LaFleur. Offensive assistant, Mike LaFleur, and Mike McDaniel. And and how many games did they win? And how many games did they lose? Uh, Super Bowl, was that the... I, okay, you get my point right here. That is an unbelievable all-star staff. Well, and now I'm going to go out on a limb and say he can't get uh, those guys to be his assistants now, wherever he goes. I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan's busy. But I would also say he's probably pretty familiar <laughs> with how Kyle Shanahan operates. Kyle Shanahan's in your division. Uh, he obviously used to be a part of the Seahawks. He's familiar with the Seahawks and how they operate, even though things are a little bit different now. I'll just, when Dan Quinn's name popped up, my first just gut reaction was, okay, I mean, this guy's name pops up a lot. You know, it popped up last year, even when he was, you know, keeping his job, popped up with the Dallas job. I know he's a good coach, yes. but but how good, like, is he really better than some of these other options? Or is it just another coach that's going to get recycled? Um, 
I feel pretty good about Dan Quinn if that's their guy now. And and there's more. I mean, here, here's Kevin Ray on with us yesterday. I've never called him Kevin Ray before. Here's K Ray on with us yesterday. He didn't want to talk about the Suns at first. He wanted to talk about Dan Quinn. I will say this first. I would hate to lose him uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, you know the job that he has done there as DC the last two seasons. But I'm going to tell you right now, that would be my number one pick if I had a few million and I was in a position of power to hire. Okay, so that was him on with us. How about Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN with Bickley Murata yesterday? It helps that you've had Micah Parsons. It helps that you have Trayvon Diggs on the back end. But, you know, a lot of those guys remain from that defense in 2020 that was so bad. He did a great job of just changing their mindset and making them more aggressive and, and, and turning them around into one of the better defenses in the league. I got a lot of cuts here I could play Wolf. Yeah, but that's right. But, but the, the overall thing, it's not just those three guys. By the way, Todd Archer, Kevin Ray, and Larry Fitzgerald, pretty close to the game. Um, but it just, it, I haven't yet to hear one bad thing about Dan Quinn. The only knock on him is they blew a lead in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady, which happened, but it doesn't make him a bad coach. Here's the other thing that is so good about hiring a guy like Dan Quinn once again. He's been in the league for over 20 years. 20 years, Basinonians, and he's coached with many dudes over the years. And he's been on six different, yeah, six different teams, six different organizations. Dan Quinn. You know what that does? That, that exposes you to an awful lot of coaches all over the league. So now all of a sudden building a reput- or building a staff is, is so much of reputation in the National Football League. It's about your reputation. Even if I don't know you personally, I've, I, I know you where I say hello to you and hey, what's going on? And every now and then I might pick up the phone and text you a little, hey, remember me over here? Because they love to talk to each other. Never forget that. Yeah. The grapevine is vast and varied in the National Football League and how much coaches talk to other coaches is all over the league. Okay, so now all of a sudden the staff that you could put together with Dan Quinn, that's also very appealing to an owner who may want to hire him. Yeah, and see, that's I wonder, and I'm sure it comes up, how much of these interviews that is. And I think for Dan Quinn, who got or is getting a second interview with the Cardinals, I don't know if it's happening this morning or last night or whatever, I'm sure that stuff, if it doesn't come up in the first interview, must come up in the second interview. But that's that is what has been the most appealing to me yeah, about Dan Quinn. Yeah, what is that? Just his reputation around the league. Yeah. If if, if let's say the Cardinals hired him in an hour, well, that doesn't guarantee they're going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, no. that, there's none of these guys you could hire. Sean Payton doesn't guarantee that either. But I think what it does guarantee is you're going to have a really good defense because that's. That's been the trend everywhere he's gone. And I think you're in a pretty good position to get guys around the league on that coaching staff because his reputation around the league is impeccable. It's so much better than I realized a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> you guys know me, right? <laughs> I, I, I onions, it baffles me sometimes how little exposure I have to the real world, okay? <laughs> and how little exposure I've going? had to the real world. Okay. Uh, yeah, think about it. <laughs> I used to run to. over dudes. That's what I did. And get run over, <laughs> I might add. I used to do that for a living. And now I, I sit around, I talk about it. You, you know how that that just doesn't make me qualified on so many different things. So as I get ready to ask this question, 
<laughs> on the first interview, what is the first interview all about? What is it all about? Is it just you're a jerk or you're not? Is that what it's all about? I, I, and that gets you to a second interview? Is it just like a is regular what, job interview? I would assume it's I, like, how, how I mean, good are you with I, spreadsheets? I would imagine he, this is just me, basically. He's looking on the outside, looking in here. But I would imagine it's just, is this guy a jerk? <laughs> Am I going to get along with this guy or not? That's the first interview. That's the only thing that really matters, right? It's the only. And then after that, the second interview, we're going to sit down. We're going to start digging a little bit. You know what I mean, boy? Right? I Welcome think that's, back. We have determined you're not a jerk and worthy of a second interview. <laughs> All right. Sorry for that. Got sidetracked. Uh, now every time I hear that the coach is getting interviewed, all I'm going to think is they're just trying to find out if he's a jerk yeah. until he gets that second interview. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Josiah from the 480 texted in. Is there any word on D'Amico Ryan's interview? It's a good question. Uh, there's a, <laughs> is there a changing of the guard at quarterback in the National Football League? It's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports league. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, Wolf, I'm going to play a couple uh, Aaron Rodgers cuts here, okay? But yeah. I promise they're leading somewhere. This is not like some sort of hallucinogenic trip that we're okay. going to go on. That's great. They're actually leading to a different conversation. Okay. okay. Great. This is Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. I shouldn't have to say that. That's the only person he talks to publicly. So this is uh, Aaron Rodgers yesterday saying, you know what? I don't think the Packers want me anymore. They drafted uh, my replacement. And if I didn't win two COVID MVPs, this conversation probably would have happened earlier. But in a year where I'm not going to win MVP, uh, it allows for all the different conjecture. Um, is Jordan ready? Is it time to move on? Uh, the Packers have had this uh, interesting view on personnel from conjecture from outside the building that it, it's better to move on a year before a guy is done than a year after. And is that the, is that the mindset? Uh, for them deep down. Now, as an organization, they're obviously not going to say any of that. Um, why would you? There's not a whole lot to be won. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm open to all honest and direct conversation. And if, if they felt like it was in the best interest of the team to move forward, so be it. Again, that doesn't that wouldn't offend me. That wouldn't uh, you know make me feel like a victim. I wouldn't I wouldn't have any animosity towards the team. I love the team. I love the organization. I love the city. I love the region. And I'd love to finish there. I would. And, and I might have finished there. You know, who knows? But uh, when I talk about my future, I don't talk in any cryptic terms. You know, I, I'm pretty direct about how I feel, and I am taking time with my decision. And I am, you know, not, you know, egomaniacal in a sense to think that, uh, you know, I should be able to play wherever I want as long as I want. No, no, I heard you were an egomaniac. Yeah. I almost cut in like seven times there, okay. but I'm just going to let you react. Why, why? Why did you almost cut in? I, just, no, there, I there could w- see you over a, there. A lot like, of different things. Yes, that's exactly how it was. It's just like frozen. Uh, I don't even know where to start. There were quite a few things. The, the one that stands out is I'm not typically cryptic. It's like, have you ever seen Ocean's Eleven where Brad Pitt's like, you can't ask me that, and it's not my nature to be mysterious, but you can't ask me that, and I can't tell you why. Yeah. That's basically what that is. Aaron Rodgers has <laughs> been cryptic good. for two years. That's all Aaron Rodgers has been. And what is a COVID MVP? I never heard that until he just brought it up right there. Yeah. That's like him diminishing his own MVPs. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, he rode and straddled right down the middle of that fence, didn't uh-huh. he? he? He did. Right now, where are the chaps? Break them out. 
Um, I don't think he's going to be in Green Bay next he, year, but I he, think he's going to keep playing. He, he basically could have said, I'm just going to keep my options open. <laughs> if he would have said that, <laughs> that's exactly what he just said. That is a great job of speaking median by Aaron Rodgers right there and really saying nothing. But here's more from Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee's show. He was asked if he's ready to pass the torch to this next generation of great quarterbacks who mostly seem to reside in the AFC. What, those three guys? You ready to hand over the title? That's what they're saying. This is the next Mm -hmm. generation of the entire NFL is what everybody's saying. You know, like uh, this is kind of a showcase of it this year because I think this is the first time. I forget you or Tom. I forget how many years. 2009, I believe. First time in a long time where it hasn't had, you know, you or Tom in it basically still happening. Now, it's an interesting time here. Interesting time. Say that a little bit. Say that a little bit louder so Tommy can hear. It. Then we'll both come back next year. All right. <laughs> you old f- ain't got it anymore. All right, they're both coming back anyway, so I don't know why we're debating this. But the part where he's talking about passing on uh, the torch to this next generation of quarterbacks got us thinking, Wolf. What is what's the top of that list of quarterbacks now? Like what what is because we're going to see Joe Burrow. I would assume Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Chad Henney is not invited to the next generation of great quarterbacks party. Sorry, Chad. Uh, Jalen Hurts and, and Brock Purdy this weekend. <laughs> Brock's, Brock's never lost a game, so I guess at least for this weekend he gets to hang out with Jalen Hurts, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. But, like, I pulled up the uh, NFL.com QB index. Yeah. Remember how they did that every week this year? Yeah. I pulled it up from week one. Do you want to hear what it was? Yeah. I'll, just, I'll read you the top 11 real quick. Okay, okay cool. Number 11, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, number 10, Kyler Murray. Okay. Number 9, Dak. Number 8, Matthew Stafford. Number 7, Lamar. Number 6, Joe Burrow, which we didn't agree with at the time. Number 5, Patrick Mahomes. That was just idiotic at the time. He should have been number 1. To Stop me. it. Number 4, Justin Herbert. Number 3, Josh Allen. Number 2, Rogers. Number 1, Tom Brady. Wow. That okay. should have been radically different at the start of this season. But either way, like a lot of those names would have been there in a different order. It's going to be drastically different going into next season. I didn't even read you Jalen Hurts' name. Yes. Okay, so right now, what are the top five quarterbacks to you in the National Football League? What I, are they? I'd go Because I don't have Aaron Rodgers, and no. I don't have Tom Brady. Obviously. No. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting a four. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> okay. All right. Who okay. Number five. I guess we're playing for keeps. Command and control has spoken. Um, Jalen Hurts. That's where I'm going. Number five right now. Jalen Hurts. Oh, this is bad. I'm forgetting somebody. And it's going to really throw me off. Okay. Well, number five, I'm going to put Justin Herbert then. Okay. I reserve five. the right to, to think maybe I messed that up. Okay. Right, number got, four. You got <laughs> Number four. Uh, Justin Herbert. Okay. I all right. Justin Herbert, number four. Jalen Hurts, of course, number five. <laughs> this impromptu power poll happening now live. Jason audience, gather round. Uh, number four, I have Jalen Hurts, but he could climb in the next two weeks, to be fair. I, but I have Jalen Hurts, number four. Number three? <laughs> number three. Three. Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> number <was> two. <laughs> We did both say Josh Allen before the Cincinnati game. Last okay. week, we, we talked. Number two. Number two, I still have Burrow. Joe Burrow. Okay. Joe Burrow. And, and I'll be honest, man. I'm, I'm all in on Burrow. He might be my favorite player in the NFL at this point. But um, he's still number two, even if Cincinnati beats Kansas City this weekend. Patrick Mahomes should still be number Patrick one. Mahomes. Number one. Numero uno. Unbelievable. Mahomes. Fastest power pull ever. Also known as Mahomes. As in hose, ladies. He's got a Okay. 
Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, Texas Tech. No one has shot up the draft boards quicker than this Red Raider. Mahomes has the arm talent that NFL scouts crave in a quarterback, which he inherited from his father, who was a major league pitcher. He enjoys putting on a show, including throwing the ball 70-plus yards from his knees. Mahomes racked up some serious stats in the Texas Tech Air Raid offense, but the downside is his lack of time spent under center. He carries himself a lot of swagger and confidence, which often leads to deep ball attempts down the field. NFL comp, free agent quarterback, Jay Cutler. That's really cool right there. Like walking into some pool hall on a Saturday night. Not a big country music fan, but I feel like that was definitely country music. Oh, I love it, especially if you're in a small town, man. It's so cool. Somebody give me the cowboy hat. I'll put the cowboy hat on. How are your headphones going to be? Going back to Rushford, New York, population 1100. You go back there, you got to put the hat on and walk in. How you doing, ma'am? I feel like you call people ma'am. Well, it, it went in Rome. Okay. <laughs> Why not? But not actually went but in I'll Rome. Just, you, you just grab the tip of it, ma'am. Because if you showed up in Rome wearing a cowboy <laughs> so, hat and calling people ma'am, I, I don't. So cool. I, country just music as, as the draft. Everybody should music. have the opportunity to do that once. Put the cowboy hat on. Walk down the boardwalk. Ma'am. Not the Dallas cowboy hat. An actual Zaven Collins cowboy hat. very small little town. Awesome. I have a lot to say, but we have to go to the break. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57 and Bud Light FanDuel and Arizona Sports. We want you to be there in person. So text SUPER to 620-620 to register and listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events, the FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So text SUPER to 620-620. It is all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. When we come back, did Cam Johnson set the tone for the Suns and their win over the Hornets last night? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hi, Wolf. Got some news for you. Great song. And anybody who might be listening who cares about the Phoenix Suns. Okay. okay. Yes. This is from Woj. Ever heard of Woj? Yeah, I have. Woj. As a matter of fact, he's pretty accurate. ESPN reporting with Baxter. I'm assuming that's Baxter Holmes. It just says Baxter. Yes, Baxter Holmes. Billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia's purchase of a majority stake in the Phoenix Suns and Mercury at a $4 billion valuation is expected to become official in the next two weeks. Okay. Ishbia assuming control prior to the February 9th NBA trade deadline. Story soon. Okay. Boy, you know what? That could have gone either way right there. It could have. It could have been a bad report. If that was in the next three weeks... We'd have a problem because the trade deadline is in two weeks and one day. Yeah. Okay, great. So in the next two weeks, it should be done. Is that what you said? That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's that's a good report right there. Maddie! Maddie-ish! I yeah, no, yeah, no, that's we'll not bad, Maddie-ish. right? Maddie is. It sounds like Maddie Ice. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, but you kind of it's a play on yeah, okay. the Maddie Ice. I, that's that's Maddie-ish. Maddie-ish. I like it. All right, Maddie-ish, get in here with that money in uh, in two weeks because let's see, your first order of business is uh, trade for somebody. Uh, you know what? I don't know that they need to trade for anybody big, to be honest. 
Trade Jay Crowder. Yeah. If you can get somebody big in here, that's I'm fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, but also set aside, what if we, what if we decide about $100 million? Just set that aside yeah. for Cam Johnson this offseason. So, yeah. again, when you bought the team at $4.1 billion, it was actually, or $4 billion, it was actually $4.1 billion because you owe that to Cam, too. Matty Ish is going to do the right thing. That's what I think. He's going to do the right thing. I got confidence in Matty Ish. You got to love basketball. You got to love it in your heart. You got to love the sport. You got to love the process of it. And Matty Ish, I think, loves it all. I like the name Matty Ish, but what if he hates it and never talks to us once he gets here? Well, I'm sure we'll find out. Okay, yeah, like, probably. If he, yeah, yeah, if he's got a problem with it, yeah. Matty Ish, if you don't like the name Matty Ish, send $1 billion to the Wolf and Luke show, and okay. we will stop. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. No, that'd no. be clear. Okay. No, Matty Ish. Matty Ish, um, I'm really excited about it because, again, you're talking about an individual who understands the sport, loves the sport, and is loaded. That's a good combination. I love this picture of him at Michigan State with Mateen Cleaves, and I know Jason Richardson's on that team. I don't know if I if I see him in this picture, but either way, that's some news right there for the Suns. Trade deadline is two weeks from tomorrow, February ninth, and then you also have the news that Cam Johnson um, seems just fine. Now I want to be consistent with this Wolf because I was saying it through the entire time Cam Johnson was out, and so now I think we need to enjoy this. The regular season, in my opinion, means something to Cam Johnson because he is stepping into a new role on this team. So how is he going to, is he going to thrive as a starter on this team? Is it going to take an adjustment period? Well, look, last night, pretty good effort by Cam Johnson. Played 18 minutes, had 24 points. Shot six of seven from three. Can I interest you in that performance? That's pretty good right there. Yeah. 18 minutes, 24 points, you said. It's pretty good right (laughs) It's pretty good. Cam, could you just go out there and score like more than a point per minute? Yeah, you're lighting it up at that point in time. Uh, And now if you look at his last, let's go his last three full games, okay? Or three of his last four full games. So... Last night, 24 points, 6 of 7 uh, shooting from 3, nine, 9 of 11 overall from the field. Nice 82% in yeah. 18 minutes. Game before, 8 points, 29 minutes. Okay, that was, you know, that. game before that, his first game back, 19 points in 22 minutes. And then I'm going to go back to his last full game before he got hurt. So this is all the way back on November 1st. 29 points, 7 of 11 from 3, 3 still steals in the game. All of these games, these last four that we're talking about, they were wins for the Suns. Yeah. It's a very small sample size, but he does not seem to be overwhelmed by being in the starter's role. And right now, he's even more than a starter. He's one of only three starters they have. One of the reasons why I love watching Cam Johnson compete based on earnings is because he fully expects to do well. Have you noticed that about Cam? He's not big into celebrating Cam. I, I, and I, I love that about this dude. It tells me something about Cam Johnson and the way that he is built mentally. This is a guy that isn't into celebrating Cam Johnson and all the Cam Johnson goodness that is out there. He expects it, and you can see the look on his face. He was veritable fire in the beginning of this game last night. Six for six, could not miss, literally. Six for six from the field, four for four from beyond the arc. He had 16 points with just over five minutes to go in the first quarter. (laughs) He had 16 points, and then he went and sat down. To be clear, based on audience, he had 16 points in just under seven minutes of being on the floor. He was on fire. You you talk about a Quasimodo player. You talk about somebody who's going to ring that bell. 
somebody who's going to sound that bell, that was Cam Johnson. This is uh, one of those performances where you watch it, and I don't care that it was in a regular season win over Charlotte. It's not It's not that. It, it, I, you, you don't have to tell me, like, oh, big deal, they beat Charlotte. You're going to overreact to that. And that's, it's, not, it's not that. It's it wasn't Cam about Johnson. them. It's, it's, when he has games like that, I don't feel as ridiculous a month ago saying, hey, the championship window's still open. It just doesn't look like it. Well, when Cam Johnson has games like that, you can see a path where the Suns go on a run through the Western Conference. And I know you can sit there and say, okay, really, they're going to go and they're going to beat Denver and they're going to beat New Orleans and they're going to beat Memphis. Okay, but most of those teams would have to go on a, on a run like that. Memphis, okay, you might have to beat the Suns and then New Orleans and then Denver. Like, there's not an easy path through the Western Conference. So... When he has games like that, and he just he flashes that that ability to just get extremely hot from three point range, we're in this spot right now where the Suns are kind of assembling, reassembling their team, right? Like, okay, Mikel was obviously there. Yeah. And then it's like at some point, Mikel called Chris Paul. It was like, hey, Chris, when are you coming back? Chris Paul's coming back. Chris Paul came back this week. He called Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson came back last week. At some point, Devin Booker's coming back. Da, I, I'm assuming is going to be back here soon too. You're going to get the starting lineup back together. Obviously, the last call is, hey, Jay, you're going to Milwaukee, and we got something for you. But when you do that, you have a title contender. Not a favorite, but a contender. Yeah, yes, you have a contender. Um, One of the reasons why I mentioned Cam Johnson and his demeanor, of course, it's I think it's important. It should be an expectation with Cam Johnson. He should. You could just see the cold, killer confidence that he had on his face as he was competing. That tells me an awful lot, because if you're not really expecting it, there's going to be some type of emotional outburst that you will have at some point in time. And Cam just seems on top of it. And I like that. The expectation is there. It's kind of like D-Book. You watch Book. Now, you can see the smolder. (laughs) You see the smolder with Book when he's on fire. But... He doesn't try to show you how excited he is and how good he is. And look at me, everybody. I I love that about Devin Booker, and I appreciate that about Book as well. Just go out and do your job. This is something you should expect, right, Cam? And it looks that way. And I love that. But that's it. It's do your job, right? Yes. You now don't have to ask Mikkel Bridges, hey, Mikkel. Cover their best player. Be the best defender in the league. Can you also hit six or seven threes tonight? Because we kind of need you to also cover for this guy on the weekend. Yes. No, Cam's going to come in and do that. Guys are slipping back into their actual roles. That is much bigger than beating a depleted and already mediocre Charlotte team by 31. It's that we're seeing guys get back into their roles. And the only real unknown with the, the Suns starters this season was how would Cam thrive in the role of starter because now, you know, coming into the season, you don't kind of have a sixth man because Jay Crowder's gone, presumably because he's not the starter anymore. We're not getting any more information than that, so we have to assume that's what it is. So Cam stepping in and doing that, yeah, Booker's not back, but we know what Booker is when he comes back. is going to be back here at some point. We don't know what DA is, mm-hmm. but we know that we're never going to know what DA is. So we know what DA is. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. We don't know what I, he is from night to night, but we know what he is big picture. I here, Here's the scariest thing about DeAndre Ayton, and you mentioned his name, but for me, I think DeAndre Ayton at some point in time, the light bulb is going to go on in the shed. It is going to go on. I don't know when that is, but I'm terrified of the fact it's going to be when he gets a wake-up call. By being traded to another team. Oh, that would really 
I don't love that situation. Seriously. Or the wake up. I know. Yeah. Sometimes that's what we all need. I mean, we've seen the light go on. It just turns off sometimes, too. It it just, this all adds up to the Suns being a dangerous team because you can see on any given night Devin Booker going off. Cam Johnson just getting hot from three. DeAndre Ayton, the light going on that night. You're not beating that team that night. Yeah, but look, metaphorically, that'd be a flashlight going off inside the shed. Uh, that's not, true. Not a light bulb. Not an actual, because yeah, yes, it would be a flashlight. Uh, yeah, we'll clear this up later. Uh, we come back. Mel Kuyper Jr. has released his first mock draft of the year. So who does he have the Cardinals taking at number three? And what does that mean? Big picture. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.